What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of OTR, the show where albums are hit, sit, or shit. And what does OTR stand for, Amy? Um, I don't know. On the road? <laughs> I'm just being silly. It's off the record. That's what it's felt like. That's what it's felt like this week, though, on the road. And that's why, <laughs> that's why uh, this episode has been delayed a week, guys. But that's all right. Life has been very hectic. I hope everyone else has had a less hectic week than I have. And it's uh, it's been yeah, busy. It's, it's <laughs> How have been, you been crazy. Amy? That's all I can say. But we're both still here. So what more could anybody want? A new album from Pussifer. Oh, that's right. I just got one. Yay! Hey, that's not from 1970. <laughs> oh. You know what? I was going to uh, Maynard James Keenan fangirl all over everybody. But I'm going to wait. I'm marinating on the album right now. I'd already heard a couple songs from it. You know, they'd already they'd already come out. But uh, it's a really intelligent album. Except for one song. It's just basically <laughs> a fuck off. Which is they basically tell people. I suppose they, they basically tell people that. Well, with so, everything he's been through this year, you know, I'm it's sure not that's just... how he feels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, is still suffering from the effects of having it's COVID. Awful. He had it back way back in when they were on tour with Tool. He I, he had it when I heard him, I think, or he had just gotten over it, and he sounded wonderful in concert. So, I just want to say, I saw the new Borat movie as well. And I really wish Borat hadn't brought the pandemic worldwide. Spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't uh, seen Borat. <laughs> it, it's, it's really good. It's, it's, it sounds funny because it's crass and it's, it's Borat. But it's heartwarming in a way. <laughs> because it still tells like a, it's like a father and daughter story. It's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's funny that it, it, that it, it goes that, that twist. Yeah. Because it has like a wholesome almost, it has a wholesome ending. I may end up watching it because but, you know Luke what? is a Sasha Baron Cohen fan, but I'm not, so I don't know. I'm not going to make any promises. I am an extreme Sasha Baron Cohen <laughs> fan. I'm an extreme Maynard James Keenan fan, but you know what? This isn't, this is not uh, Maynard James Keenan Allen or the... Uh, Anything but the 70s. You hour. know what I am an extreme fan of? 70s music. Oh. Well, some 70s music. You know, some 70s music, yeah. But it looks like, actually, you have the first album this week. But I did actually listen to a little bit of it. And I kind of liked it. But I'm, I'm a fan of Carole King. I'm not a Carole King hater or anything. I think she has a great voice. I've always liked Carol King. Yeah. Well, what was her Tapestry. her big uh, album? It's not, yeah, Tapestry. Yeah, it's not this one, but but I I do. I did like it from what I heard. It wasn't bad. But anyway, I'm gonna turn it over to you and let you talk about your album, the first album you had this okay. week. Okay. Well, I started the week as he said with Carol King. This album is called Writer. It's actually her debut as the singer and musician this album 
we think came out sometime in mid-October. Some of the info we found said May, but it didn't show up in U.S. newspapers at all, even in ads, until October, so that's the date we're going with. I was looking forward to this album, because like you said, I like Carole King. I like her a lot. She is a fantastic songwriter, along with her husband in the 60s, Jerry Goffin. She worked with him a lot in the early days of her career. They're both so good. And she's a really good musician, too. If you guys don't know who Carole King is, I'm going to just briefly name some of the songs that she and Jerry Goffin wrote, just to give you sort of an idea of what I'm talking about. It's Too Late, I Feel the Earth Move, You've Got a Friend, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, One Fine Day, The Locomotion, Pleasant Valley Sunday, Up on the Roof, I'm Into Something Good, you get the idea. They're very, very good, very prolific, and I am a huge fan of Carole King. So like I said, she was already an established songwriter, but this was her first album as the performer. Um, I knew from reading newspaper reviews of this particular album, when I was trying to find the release date, that this album actually got some so-so reviews. I know that Tapestry, like we said, that was her second album. It came out in 1971, just a year after this one. And that one was huge. It's considered great by just about everyone. This one, not as popular. It did chart, but it didn't chart until after Tapestry was released and took the world by storm. But I was excited about it. I wanted to hear it anyway, because I was curious. And I wasn't disappointed. I really liked it. I don't think it's as good as Tapestry. Tapestry is an amazing album. I can't wait until we get to it next year. This one doesn't have all of the hits on it like that one does, but it was still good. It, to me, it just sounded like Carole King. And I think that's a good thing, because, I mean, just look at her list of work. It's incredible. As for the songs on this album, I personally particularly liked No Easy Way Down. It really reminded me of her other work that I already knew. And I thought it just had a really nice, soulful groove to it. There's also a version of Up on the Roof on this album. And like I said, she wrote it with Jerry Goffin. If you know that song, you probably know the version by the Drifters. They're the ones that made it famous. But Carole King did a good job performing it as well. And, oh, I forgot to mention that in addition to singing, she plays piano on this and even does her own backing vocals for some of these songs. And James Taylor also was on this album. He played acoustic guitar and recorded some background vocals too. Wikipedia didn't specify which songs he was on, but the tracklist on Spotify did specifically mention that he was on Up on the Roof. I will say, the main area that a lot of reviewers point to as lacking was the production. I'm not an expert on production or producers, but <laughs> I am. No. <laughs> I didn't notice that anything wrong with the production. But I will admit that I was almost certainly listening to a remastered copy because I was listening on Spotify in 2020. So either I just didn't notice those issues or they've been fixed in the intervening 50 years. It could be either 
One interesting thing about the production I did notice is that Jerry Goffin actually did the mixing for the album. He and Carole King were no longer married at this time. They had already gotten divorced, but they were still working together, at least in some capacity. Anyway, I thought it was a really good album. I really enjoyed it. And even though it's not the complete knockout punch of Tapestry, I'd still recommend Ryder to everybody. For me, I still think it's a hit. Yeah, I didn't notice any problems with the production when I... I just listened, like, cursory. I didn't just sit down and really give it a true listen-through. But I did, you know, preview it. And it sounded fine, but I did listen to it on Spotify as well. So it just could be, you know, we, we got a remastered right. copy. But, I mean, in 2020, Carol King Rider was pretty good. I'd say it's a hit as well. Yeah. And, you know, my first album, <laughs> something I it will admit, I was going into it with a certain idea <laughs> about it, about this artist. <laughs> okay, this album came out October 19th of 1970, and this is Liza Minnelli, <laughs> New Feeling. And you know what? I never thought I was going to say this. Liza Minnelli is a really good artist. And, well, it's funny because this album actually didn't get very positive reviews. But when I listened to it, I really liked it. But I'm listening later. Right. On. You know, so maybe this is just was just ahead of its time. It's not, though. So, but, like, where a lot of these artists... I don't want to say a lot of them, but what was it? We had Tony Bennett was singing yeah. hits. <laughs> singing, are, supposedly. Okay, you know, and he, <laughs> well, you know, and he, and you could tell his heart wasn't in it. You could tell he didn't want to do it, and he didn't enjoy doing it. He didn't really give it his heartfelt, you know, effort. Well, this is kind of like the opposite. In this album, Liza Minnelli is, is singing classic songs. But the instrumentation and uh, everything like that, and the, the production and everything, is more of the 70s. It, it really jams, and it grooves, and she embraced it wholly, and she went with it. And I'm a fan. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I'm going to... I'll just go through the, the songs that I really think stand out. It's the first song on the album that you're going to... You might, you might remember one of the very first songs I think it is the very first song that we started Chord Chronicles with it may be in the second the second may have been the second album was the first album Joe Stafford I think it was the second I think Barbara Streisand was the very first <laughs> okay so it might be the second but it was on the first episode of Chord Chronicles so it's funny how these things come back around <laughs> this the first song on this album is Love for okay. Sale by Cole Porter, originally Cole Porter. Liza Minnelli knocks this song out of the park, and it's it's not used like like the song that we heard with Joe Stafford was big band. Well, this is actually more seventies groove. Like it's really good. I I recommend everyone check it out. And she does go through you know some show tunes, but it all has that seventies 
it's not something you think she would be on. I'm just going to say that. And it's a good thing. Like, and she embraces it. Love for Sale, like I said, was good. Stormy Weather oh, is great song. <laughs> slowed down. Yeah, it's slowed down. It's, you know, you know, you were the original Stormy Weather. I mean, it's Harold Arlen, Ted Kohler. Actually, the original. But um, I'm trying to remember where I've heard uh, it. Billy Holiday covered it. The actual, the, you know, the probably. That's probably the version that I remember. Liza Minnelli sounds beautiful on this. When she, I mean, she can project. I mean, of course, she, you know, does the show tunes and stuff like that. You know, she has a good voice, but, but she has a really pretty voice on that. And it was really nice. And as funny as it's, it's kind of cheesy. She did Lazy Bones. <laughs> you know, Lazy Bones, Sleeping in the Shade. Her version's really good and it's fun. It's right. It's like the fourth song on the album. I like that she put it in there. Because this album is fun. And you can tell she had That's fun doing it. That's what I like it. most about Liza And it makes it a, a fun yeah. listening to it. She has a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the other song, there's one more song. I mean, I think all the songs are pretty good. But one song that I think stands out is How Long Has This Been Going On? It's her cover of that. Yeah. The and, I mean, that one? Oh, love yep. that song. <laughs> it's, well, it says George and Ira Gershwin. Really? Is who Wikipedia has listed. Yes. So, I don't know that it, whether that's factual or not. But like I said, this is... This is different than what I'm used to hearing Liza Minnelli do, because it has that 70s music feel to it. I really liked it, and I recommend everyone check it out. I would call this a hit. And if her other albums are going to have this, you know, because I'm sure she has more albums than this coming out. Yeah. She's a prolific artist, but but maybe I think she started doing acting too. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. At this time. You know, maybe she had just started. So maybe she takes a break from singing and does more acting. I don't know. I have not actually followed her career. But this album is a hit. And I invite everyone to check it out. And I'm going to turn it over to you for the next album. Something I actually previewed as well. Alright. Yeah, it is really funny that you know, it came back around, like you said. And that she had the that song that Joe Stafford did. Our very first episode. Yeah. Ka is a wheel. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Yeah, well, as, as soon as. Oh, thank you, Terry Pratchett. We love you. That's Stephen uh, King. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah. Terry Pratchett did, did it as well. <laughs> the Wheel of Time. <laughs> but, um. No, as soon as that love for sale hit, it was like, whoa, wow. <laughs> and it, but it sounds a little different but her voice was really great on it so yeah you I need to check that will. out but anyway <laughs> I've talked about yeah I've talked about Liza Minnelli new feeling enough it is a hit though guys I, like check it out for sure it, it it was a hit not quite like the you know the surprise that Glenn Campbell was for me but but really strong I will say that and I'm looking forward to listening to her other stuff so I'm not going to shy away from it. Because, I mean, I thought Liza Minnelli was just going to be kind of cheesy show tunes. And, you know, and I know she has a sense of humor about things. But 
I'm just not a fan of the show tunes. Yeah. It's just not my thing, usually. We all Some have our preferences. Okay. You know, and I don't want to listen to a whole album. Well, I don't want to listen to a whole album of show tunes. It's not my thing. But this album was, this album was great. But, um, like I said, I'm going to turn it over to you for the next album. Something I was excited about because I've heard of this artist, but never listened to him. All right. Yep. And, you know, talking about stuff coming back around, we're going to get some more of that with this album. But first, I'm going to give just a little, you know, a few little facts about it. My second album for the week was Arlo Guthrie's Washington County. It came out sometime in October 1970. We don't know when. I was semi-familiar with Arlo Guthrie, I would say. And, of course, his father, Woody Guthrie. I'm pretty sure I had heard of this particular album before, but I didn't know any of the songs. I do know some of Arlo Guthrie's songs, but not any of the ones that were on this album. So, the first thing that I want to talk about, I'm going to talk a little bit about the personnel on the album before I delve more deeply into the actual music. Because the personnel list on this album is absolutely incredible. And this is where we get more of everything coming back. Ry Cooter, which is a name you should be familiar with by now if you have been following along with us this year. He played bottleneck guitar on this album. Chris Etheridge. (laughs) I'm honestly not sure. He normally does slide. Uh, slide guitar, but yeah. he does some other stuff too. I know he's done mandolin on some of the stuff. Okay, okay. I'm guessing a bottleneck is using the neck of a bottle like they yeah, used that was to. The that's slide. what they used originally yeah. was slide. So, maybe that's he did it traditional. <laughs> he, he went I meant to look it up, and I forgot. So. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Amateur. <laughs> hey, you can look it up. You can look Call it up. Yeah, I don't Called you out. Called you out on that shit, didn't I? That's right, guys. I got her. (laughs) Hey, I am human, and it's been a crazy week. But that's okay. We will let him look that up while I continue talking about the personnel list. (laughs) So, in addition to Ry Cooter, we had Chris Etheridge of the Flying Burrito Brothers. He played bass on here. Clarence White of the Birds played electric guitar. Richie Hayward of Little Feet played drums. Doug Doug Dillard of the Dillards played banjo. And there was also one other name on the personnel list that I recognized. Hoyt Axton. He provided bass vocals. I love deep voices, so I was intrigued by that. But Hoyt Axton is probably best known for his songwriting. I don't know that I've ever heard him sing before. But he wrote Joy to the World, made famous by Three Dog Night. And also Never Been to Spain by them. Those are both great songs. And he also wrote Steppenwolf's The Pusher, which was in, I think, Easy Rider is what that was in. And I don't want to leave anybody else out. Uh, John Pilla and Gary Walters also contributed to the album. They weren't with big bands, so I don't know any other details about them, but they were on this album. Uh, As for Arlo himself, he was, is, really well known as a folk musician. My personal favorite of his work is City of New Orleans. Not just because I am obsessed with the City of New Orleans, because it actually refers to a train, not the city. But that's just a good song. I like Arlo's version a lot. I also like Willie Nelson's version of that song. 
It's not an Arlo Guthrie original. It was originally done by Steve Goodman. Uh, but... <laughs> I keep thinking that too. Uh, but I do like Arlo's version best. But, like I said, unfortunately that wasn't on this album, but there, there was plenty of stuff on here. I do want to mention, Arlo Guthrie is himself a very talented and well-rounded guy. He's a great storyteller with his music, you know, and he does write a lot of his own stuff. Furthermore, as well as singing and writing, he plays guitar, piano, banjo, harmonica, saxophone, and auto harp. And he's done a little bit of acting too, and he's kind of known for his humanitarian work these days. And like I mentioned earlier, he is the son of Woody Guthrie, who wrote and made famous This Land is Your Land. If you live in the United States, you definitely know that song. You kind of can't live here and not know that song. <laughs> and I would be remiss if I didn't mention Alice's Restaurant Massacre. That was Arlo Guthrie's first hit, and that song is a folk standard, so even if you don't know who Arlo Guthrie is, you may recognize that song, and you're likely to hear it on the radio around this time. A lot of radio stations play it every Thanksgiving for some reason. One last quick note about Arlo Guthrie himself before I talk about the individual songs on this album. You may notice that I have been referring to him in the present tense. That's because until now it's been a couple of weeks, I think. Until a couple of weeks ago, he was still active in the music business. He announced his official retirement this month due to a series of debilitating strokes. Very sad. He's an icon. We hate to hear about those medical issues, but hopefully he will get to just enjoy life with his family now without having to worry about the pressures of the business. So, now that I've talked your ear off about everything but Washington County, the album, let me talk about that a little bit. I wasn't completely blown away by the album. I may have given you a slight wrong impression talking so much about the backstory. It wasn't spectacular for me, but it's not bad at all. And there's a lot of talent on display here, and I appreciate that. The songwriting is good, so is the execution. You know, folk music just isn't my favorite. Like, show tunes aren't your thing, really. I guess folk music just isn't really mine. And Arlo Guthrie does have a little bit of a Bob Dylan scoop to his voice on this album, which, as we have talked about a lot already, I don't particularly care for that. It's subtle on some of the songs, so it's not awful. I'm just sensitive to it. He's a little bit nasal, and sometimes he does dig down a little bit for the notes, especially on side two of the album. He even covers a Bob Dylan song, Percy's song. The best songs, I thought, were Valley to Pray. It was just pretty, and it was surprisingly energetic. It was... You know, it's talking about prayer, so obviously it's a little bit of a religious feel, but not... You know, it was just good music. It was catchy. And I enjoyed I Could Be Singing. Uh, a little bit ironically, I guess. The Dylan-esque tone was particularly prominent on I Could Be Singing, but it had a catchy rhythm and the music was just good, so I was able to overlook that and still really enjoy it. The final track, I Want to Be Around, had a really good rhythm too, and it was also pretty catchy. And it was a little bit more upbeat, 
So that was kind of a good way to end the album. It ended on a good, happy note. I did struggle a little bit with rating this album. If I was rating it solely for myself, it would probably be a sit. Because I personally, you know, I'm probably just going to let it sit on the virtual shelf. I'm not going to pull it out to play again. But I am not just rating it for myself, so I have to consider other people. And I was a little bit biased against this one because of the tone of the voice and just the style of music. So when I thought about it that way, I ended up calling this one a hit as well. I wasn't totally struck with it, but these are very talented musicians and I think they did a good job. There are some good songs and I, I just recommend that other people give it a shot and see what you think. So I'm calling it a hit. Well, uh, this is where everyone's going to see your personality and my personality are completely <laughs> different. Because when an uh, artist has that super nasally, <laughs> I don't know what I, I want to call it, whatever you want to call that <laughs> shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. But now, some songs with the nasally yeah. tone are good. Like Hank Williams Sr., Hank Williams Sr. sometimes will hit a nasally type tone, and he likes to do yodeling, and that's fine. And maybe because I have a special bond right. with my papaw from when I was a child, <laughs> maybe that's why. But I, I don't think so. I think Hank Williams is just a better artist than this next writer that I'm getting ready to talk about. <laughs> writer that can't sing with a shit. Uh, October of 1970, actually. I think that all these albums came out in October, from what I'm looking at, but I'm not sure. But I know this album did, but we don't have an actual day. But this is Paul Siebel. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Maybe it's Siebel. <laughs> I don't know. It's S-I-E-B-E-L. So everyone correct me somehow. <laughs> I don't know how. Send me an audio <laughs> file. <laughs> I don't know. But it's, I think it's Paul Siebel. And I was interested by the title. The title's really good. It's Wood Smoke and Oranges. I'm yeah, potpourri. it sounds like a scented candle. <laughs> you know? <laughs> glade. Yeah, it's, it's a glade. It's, the, it's this glade scent. Wood Smoke and Oranges. Hey, I would sniff that. <laughs> well, actually, no, no. No, you know what? It's not that good. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm. this is where our personalities are different because I can't overlook the nasally tone in his voice and this is folk rock country rock so you're gonna dislike this tremendously when you listen to this because <laughs> i want you to have to listen to one one track i mean you can listen to the first one it may also be more prominent <laughs> now, on that because it was you know the nasaliness and the scoop it was more subtle from our logo three so it wasn't overwhelming <laughs> oh well, okay, everyone else but me, everyone else but me, it seems, absolutely loves this album. <laughs> and so I want everyone else to check it out. <laughs> I'm going to just point out, like, a, like this art, I say this guy's a writer that, you know, I can't, I don't think he can sing where the damn. It's just my, my personal preference. I don't like that. <laughs> you know all that nasally I, I don't I, I can't I was gonna do like the yodel thing 
and I don't mind a little Yolen, so maybe that that part was okay. But like a lot of his songs have been covered by other artists. Uh, the probably the most famous is Louise. Okay. I think is is the one, and I, I I'm struggling right now actually uh, to remember. Linda Ronstadt. Covered. I, I think it's it's a it's a it's a lot of artists actually. It's Linda Ronstadt, Ian Matthews, Bonnie Raitt, Eric Anderson, Jerry Jeff Walker, Leo Kotke. So that name I don't recognize, and others. But all the other names, I mean Bonnie Raitt, I didn't know that. But and Linda Ronstadt, we I, we already previewed. I think I reviewed one. I, I think, think we both mine. did that one. And it was good. Maybe we did. I, but that one was good. I, I like Linda Ronstadt, though. But this guy is a tremendous writer. I believe um, she made me she made me lose uh, she made me lose my blues. I think that's a song that's been covered by someone else. Miss Cherry Lane, I think, is a song that's been covered by someone else. Sounds familiar. I believe Nashville again. Nashville again has been covered by someone else. Uh, Louise, obviously. Bride, 1945, <laughs> has been covered by someone else. <laughs> I think it was uh, T2 or someone like that. I mean, it's it's someone that Luke likes. So maybe someone involved with Velvet Underground, but that I'm not sure. So, don't let my bias against the singing style dissuade you from this. If you're a fan of folk rock and country rock, you're probably going to like it. Um, I think Paul Siebel actually got into acting, though. So, he only lasted maybe one more album after this. So, but it's funny because I, I, you know, I said that she has to listen to one of these because I listened to one of the other songs on the next on the album we traded with one another. <laughs> yes, we did. Because <laughs> we this was originally her album. This was originally her album. So but I am so motowned out. We traded and you know what? I lost, guys. I you lost really in this one. So I'm gonna turn it over to you for the next album. But I lost that I lost that train yep. bad. You <laughs> so Paul? Oh, oh no! I, okay, I didn't say what I said. Paul Siebel, Wood Smoke and Oranges. I'm gonna call it a sit. Listen to the other artists that covered his songs. Leave this one sitting on the virtual shelf, so to speak. You don't have to pull it out, except for that first song. Listen to that twang, and that I want you to listen to the nasal and tell me if you can listen okay, to a whole album. Okay, the first song on the it. album, right? So anyway. All right, I'll give it a, yeah. a try. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I, 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 right after we finish recording, I'm going to have to get your reaction to that one. But I'm going to turn it over to you because I traded this away because I am, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I'm supremed <laughs> out. But this is a good one. It's a pretty good yes, one. Yes, it was. So. You definitely lost out on this trade. He didn't want to do another Supremes album, which I understand. We have had a lot of Supremes and Diana Ross this year. I wasn't particularly looking forward to having another Supremes album either. But he, he did the last one, so I agreed we would switch. I would do this one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it sounds like I probably wouldn't have enjoyed Paul Siebel that much either. <laughs> so instead, 
Instead, I got to do New Ways But Love Stays by The Supremes. Again, came out sometime in October. Another Supremes album. Yeah, they're prolific, at least. No one can say otherwise. That is the one thing that everybody can say about The Supremes. Well, I mean, they are singing everyone That's else's true. songs. <laughs> no, like I said, I wasn't exactly looking forward to this album, but I did listen to it. I don't regret it. It was good. I was actually pleasantly surprised by this one. Stoned Love. That was one of the group's hits. It's from this album. It's a good song. I already knew that song. I think it is better than their earlier hit from 1970, Up the Ladder to the Roof. At least I enjoy it more. And I do think it was their biggest hit after Diana Ross left the group, if I remember correctly. It... Well, is there a noticeable difference between, you know, Diana Ross Supremes and then this post Diana Ross Supremes? Is it the sound, um, or is it. The overall sound the is mostly the same. Yeah, there are a few songs here and there, but the biggest difference, of course, would be the lead vocals, the sound of those, because Diana Ross does have a very distinctive voice. Gene Terrell's is different. I really like Gene Terrell's voice. It's really pretty. Cindy Bird song all the way. Cindy Bird song. But yeah, Stone Love. Right. You know, it's just a catchy song. <laughs> And it has the feel of the earlier Supremes work that everyone fell in love with to begin with. Their style did change a little bit over the years. They still sound like the Supremes, but, you know, the times were changing. They were kind of keeping up with the times. There was a little bit of controversy over that song, though, so I did want to mention that. The title of it, people assumed it referred to drug usage. That didn't stop it from becoming a hit, and it's not really about drugs anyway. You know, that was just what people thought from the fact that it was called Stoned Love. But it did have an effect. The album was actually originally supposed to be titled Stoned Love, but the record company changed it due to the controversy. Speaking of which, there was another small controversy about this album too that I wanted to mention. It was over the album cover. The cover was originally supposed to feature one large photo of the three girls in the group and turtlenecks with their hair styled in afros, but the record company was a little worried that it was a little too black power in appearance. So, yeah. <laughs> so they scaled that photo down, they kept it on there, but they made it smaller and they added additional photos of the three girls in their, their normal fancy gowns that they normally performed in. They added those around it to kind of tone down the black power image. I think that was unnecessary. I think it would have been better with just the one image. And it was a good picture. They did at least still use that same photo on the front, like I said, just smaller. And it was the back cover as well. And the back cover was just that photo. In color in the US, but in black you and white know, in the UK. And well, you know what you they... Say? Well, well, I gotta cut in. You know they knew, back, even back then and even now, people are scared by a strong black woman. They couldn't, yep. you know. Well, they couldn't oh, do no. that, could we? <laughs> <laughs> people are so worried Had to show about them in nothing. their fancy cocktail gowns. 
<laughs> anyway, as for the music, as well as Stone Love, there are there are several covers on this album, like you referred to. Not surprising, since they were releasing stuff so quickly and so often, and there's no way they. Everybody yeah. else's there's... music. That's right. They're cover. They're the most prolific <laughs> there, cover band there's ever. There's no the way. Supremes. You know, as many albums as they were putting out, there's no way that could all be original music. And it's definitely not. On this album, they covered the Spinners. Together, we can make such sweet music. Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. The Beatles Come Together. And Steam's Na Na Hey Hey Kiss Him Goodbye. Um, I actually think I had heard that last one before. I don't know for sure, but I think I had. But I do really enjoy it. I think it's a really good cover. I mean, that's a fun song anyway. But I felt like they do a good job of maintaining most of the original feel, but still add just a little bit of their own style. And I think their voices really sounded good on it. Which has never been the problem. Their voices always sound good. It's just... We need a break. This is too much. Too much Supremes. You know, I'm kind of running out of things to say about them. So... I don't really have any other comments about the music on this album because I think we've pretty much said it all when we reviewed their other stuff. But it was a good album. They did a good job on all of the songs here. Some of them really were standouts. So even though I am tired of them and I know you are too, I still have to call this one a hit. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. And we still have one more Diamond Ross album this year. Yeah. You know, I think I probably would have enjoyed this album more if I wasn't burned out. You know, I didn't dislike it, but I do wish that they would spread stuff out a little more. You know, come on, people. <laughs> but if you... Yeah. Yeah, it's too much. Too much. Too... They, they, you know they were doing it for the money. Motown oh, was trying to push that out. But, you know... So, I, I, I blame the record yeah, label for know, it. At that time, so. and even to some extent now... They had no real say. The record company controlled it all. But but anyway, if you guys aren't tired of listening to the Supremes, if this isn't the fourth or fifth Supremes album that you have listened to this year like it is for us, you definitely need to check this one out. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. You know, I think you will find it a hit as well. But just don't sit and listen to all of them in succession like we have had to do because... It is too much. <laughs> and now I'm going to turn this back over to you. Because I'm really interested to hear about this next one. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, sometimes we see these bands. And they have you know, an interesting title. like for, Or the band name. It's just, what is that about? So I'm really excited to check it out. And then you find out... This band led to the actually the creation of a much larger band. I'm not even going to say who this band became yet. I'm going to talk about this smaller, smaller band first. The album that I'm getting ready to talk about came out October 1970 as well. This is Savoy Brown, Looking In. And I don't know where they got the title or the name Savoy Brown from, but... I want you, as I'm talking about it, to look up the okay. album cover and tell me what, um, 
Tell me what type of music that you would think it might be by that album cover. So, but real quickly, I am going to talk about the band itself, Subway Brown. I would guess metal, just for the record. This is actually, yeah, like death metal or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like a giant skull with like a little, uh, I don't know, eagle or henchman. Yeah, you know, something, a little monster eagle, hunchback, hunchman, you know, like just something, henchman, I don't know, and like in the, I guess in the, the woods, in the forest or something, but it looks like, like, uh, like, like metal, Maiden. like, <laughs> like, like Iron Maiden or even Black Sabbath might have even had this as an album cover. This is actually a blues rock band. <laughs> So I was really thrown off. Savoy Brown, actually, though, is, for the most part, Fog Hat. Ah! Okay. <laughs> okay. This is actually their sixth album. And this this features Lonesome Dave Peverett on vocals. So, before, I guess, Savoy Brown had a, a guy by the name of Chris Yeldon. I'm not familiar with these names. Yeah. I know Foghat, and but they're actually, I don't think they're with this guy. Well, actually, I guess maybe Lonesome Dave Perrette, Peverett might have went to Foghat as well because the only person that stayed with Savoy Brown after this album was the lead guitarist Ken Simmons. So it says everyone else went to, on to form Foghat. So... That was pretty cool, I thought. So I'm listening to, you know, when you listen to this album, you're listening to the beginning of Fog Hat, really. This is like the birth of it. And it's really good. It was a pleasant surprise, actually. I'm going to go through the personnel real quick. It's a short list. Like I said, Ken Simmons is lead guitar, and he plays piano as well. Lonesome Dave on vocals, a little bit of guitar. Roger Earl on drums, and Tone Stevens on bass. I know that name, Tone Stevens, from you know from Foghat. So if I hadn't have read those, you know, those sentences, I would have known that. But um, it's funny. Actually, this is their second highest peaking Billboard album. This one reached number thirty-nine. So I guess they had another album that went a little higher, and I've never heard of them. But there were a lot of standout songs on this album. I'll point out a few of them. Uh, I would say Poor Girl. Poor Girls. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Uh, Sunday Night. And all these are basically going to be blues rock. Now, you know, they're not they're not straying too far from that formula. It does have a lot of good guitar work in it. I it's just it's just really good blues rock. Just really solid album. It was a good listen all the way through. But like I said, I'll, I'll pull a few songs. Like it's Poor Girl, Sunday Night, Looking In, Take It Easy. Not okay. Take It Easy by the Eagles. <laughs> he saw my face. <laughs> um, I saw one of the, like, I think one of the best songs, if, if you like, like, extended guitar, like, blues guitar and stuff like that, which you know I, I do. <laughs> Sitting and Thinking. Sitting and Thinking on this album was excellent. So, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, th- this band birthed Fog Hat. This is definitely a hit. 
and yeah you'll if you everyone check this out but for sure Amy you'll like this one it's excellent like the whole album but it's funny though I think when I listen to this I think I listen to it on YouTube it, it may be on Spotify I'm not sure about that but I think the first time I listened to it it was on YouTube so I think I listened to the original and it sounded good still the production was good so you know if we were rating this it would be about a four you know if we were doing stars this would be about a four it was it was really good so definitely a hit and and, and i don't know i don't think it's gonna be as good as the next album you're getting ready to talk about though. <laughs> probably not <laughs> we're ending this week her her last album my last album oh my god <laughs> So I'm gonna turn it over to you because I I listened to this whole album. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> I didn't just preview this one. Oh, I've I've already known. I've listened yeah. to this album before. I'm familiar with this artist. I've, we've already said blues is my favorite style yeah. of music. So, but I'm gonna turn it over to you because this All is right. your album. I got to end the week with oh such a great man. This is Indianola, Mississippi Seeds by the incomparable B.B. King. This album came out sometime in October or maybe even September 1970. We found a a review or an ad in an October 1st newspaper actually that says it's currently available. That's the only reference we could find. I'm not even going to try to be coy on this one. This is B.B. King so it's obviously going to be a hit, right? I mean, there's no point in me trying to draw out the suspense. B.B. King is a master. He is appropriately named because he is the king of blues. I can't even speak. I'm getting all tongue-tied just thinking about it. This album was no surprise. Like always, his guitar work is just impeccable. I actually don't have a whole lot to say about the music. Because I kind of feel like almost anything that I could say would just be obvious. But I do want to talk about the album just a little bit aside from how great I think the music is, first of all. To start off with, this is B.B. King's 18th studio album. And it was a very critically acclaimed album. It charted on Billboard's pop album chart, the jazz album chart and the Black Album chart, because even in 1970, we still had to separate it out and have a separate... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, have a separate chart. Did you say it charted? Chart. <laughs> no, I said charted. <laughs> anyway, we still had to have a separate chart for it Black charted albums. all over everything. B.B. <laughs> King himself also said that he thinks this is one of his best albums. I don't know if I would say it's one of the best because I haven't listened to all of his work, but it is up there. It's very good. This album also won a Grammy, but not for the music itself, although if you ask me, that was definitely Grammy worthy too, but it won a Grammy for the album packaging. I didn't even know they gave Grammys for album packaging, but... (laughs) No, it's like a participation (laughs) award. Indianola, Mississippi was B.B. King's hometown, at least the town that he considers his hometown, so that explains the album title. And the vinyl record was packaged with a copy of his birth certificate. 
The liner notes even include the sentence, Congratulations, Albert and Nora, on your son Riley, September 16, 1925. Albert and Nora are B.B. King's parents, and his real name is Riley. So, the Grammy Corporation. I guess that's what they're called, the Grammy Corporation. They decided to give it an award just for that packaging. And I do think it's kind of cool to have a copy of his birth certificate included. Does it have his social security <laughs> Well, it wouldn't matter now, anyway. <laughs> but no, it wouldn't be on his no, birth no, certificate. No. He wouldn't have a social security number yet. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, he he uh, he made a great decision with going <laughs> by BB like King. like Riley? <laughs> hey, Riley. Riley, play yeah, some music. I can't. I just can't think of him as Riley. <laughs> it's a fine name, but it just doesn't fit him. No. Maybe fits him. No, I, I'm joking. I, I, it's not. It's a fine name, but I could not look at BB <laughs> King and and think Riley. I couldn't call him Eddie. Yeah. Would that be BB King? I, uh, I got a chance to hear. I heard BB King's playing. <laughs> I heard him playing music from the outside of House no. of Blues. <laughs> A long time ago in New oh. Orleans, but I, when I went to New Orleans, he was there oh. with Eric Clapton. You are hurting me. You're hurting me now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And they were there at House of Blues, and I, I stood outside. Yeah, you definitely you can, you can hear the music from the House yeah. of Blues if you're standing outside in New Orleans. But I have never been there when anybody big so was playing. I got to listen from the outside. Well, if I would have known ahead of time, well, yeah. I would have been there. But I just happened to walk upon it, and I was like, "Oh my God!" So, yeah, BB King's amazing. He's the he's the god of blues, of Mississippi Delta blues. I have to tell you, sure. one of my greatest—it's not exactly a regret, but it's a sadness. I worked for a museum, and the the museum I worked for used to have one of BB King's guitars on loan, and they had to give it back before I started working there. I didn't get to see it or touch it, and it hurts me so much. <laughs> I so wish we still had it. I would have played that shit. I would have played metal on it. <laughs> I so wish we still had it, but it was just alone, so they did have to give it back. But still, I still consider myself lucky to just be in the building where BB King's guitar once was. <laughs> So, I mean, we've gushed about B.B. King's. I mean, everyone knows. If you don't know, listen to Indianola, Mississippi I, Seeds. It looks weird. I almost <laughs> want to call it Indianola. I do have a couple more notes on it, though. <laughs> Just my knee jerk. Yeah. We all know this album's oh, yeah. good, though. <laughs> but I did want to mention some of the personnel on the album. Because we were already talking about how things come back around. Well, again, several familiar names here, too. Obviously, B.B. King plays guitar as well as some piano, but Joe Walsh, who we did already talk about earlier this year, and he's known for his solo work and his work with the Beatles, he played guitar. I could cuss if I wanted. <laughs> Joe fucking Walsh. Okay, you put respect on his and name, He contributed please. guitar work to okay. a few of these songs. And Leon Russell, again, who we reviewed earlier in the year. Played piano on three of these songs and wrote Hummingbird, the last track on the album. Mary Clayton. She's a pretty well-known soul and gospel artist, and I talked about her a little bit. I think it was when I reviewed the performance soundtrack, if I'm not wrong. 
she contributed some backing vocals on Hummingbird. And the one that I really wanted to mention, you know, who played piano and electric piano on several tracks of this album was Carol King. I started the week talking about her. I'm going to talk about her a little more here at the end. She played on Until I'm Dead and Gone and Ain't Gonna Worry My Life Anymore. I really liked those two. Until I'm Dead and Gone just had a really great swing to it and Ain't Gonna Worry My Life Anymore. It was kind of like a jam session, first of all, but it had that really great foot-tapping rhythm that you just can't beat. So, yeah, I really like those two. And, let's see. Chains and Things, Hummingbird, and Ask Me No Questions. I had heard that last one before, but those were all, they were all singles, and they were all good as well. They all charted too, but I mean, it's Baby King. Huh. <laughs> well, one note about, one note about Carol King, I mean, you know, she's on this album, she's old school <laughs> cool, we knew that though. Her, like, like what, her, Liza Minnelli, Glenn Campbell, all these artists are old yeah. school cool. You know, you, they pop up in places that you don't expect. Yeah, I never be. expected her to play on <laughs> and they, this, they but kill she it. did, and she did a good job. I can't necessarily say that she held her own against B.B. King, because you know, nobody can really hold their own with B.B. King except maybe Eric Clapton. But she did good, and he is... Uh, there are no words. He's amazing. You realize I had four hits this week? <laughs> yeah, you I had did. a good music week. I mean, I had. See, I had good music this week. Most of it coming in the form of this last album. That. Shit, guys. I'm so glad that I can, you know, have a more than one, more than one swear on here, because it deserves it. But guess who? They were more prolific as artists than I realized. I mean, I just didn't, didn't know that... I mean, I know a lot of these songs that I didn't know were the Guess Who. You know, we've already reviewed one album, American Woman. And I love that album. You liked it. You didn't love it, love it. It was good, though. But I think it's a, I think it's a classic. And I think this album right here is a classic. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it's a hit because it is but there's so many songs on it that are good for you know for different reasons they they're different styles um the first track bus rider it has that 70s sound that's what i want to call it 70s sound it's about the working man that's what it is it's just about the working man getting up you have to catch the bus so you can make a buck and stuff like that. It's just catchy. It's a toe tapper. But it, it has a... I don't want to say funk. But it is a little bit... It's not really... It's not really rock. I wouldn't call it rock per se. But it does have that 70s sound. It's, it's great. And I liked Do You Miss Me Darling. It has a country feel to it. but But not twangy. I mean, obviously, because, you know, these guys, I mean, I guess they might be able to pull a twang out, but, but I, I've never, I would never hear it. I hope not. But um, it was really solid. And 
the next song that I want to talk about, you're probably familiar with. Maybe not. Hand Me Down World. Yeah, I think so. Don't give me no hand me down world. Don't give me no hand me down love. I've got one already. Yeah, if you listen to it, you would you would be like, oh shit. The guess who did this? Just like that last album when there there were four songs on there that were all I don't know how many songs on this were actual hits, but definitely Hand Me Down World is. <laughs> I like Moan for You Joe. I think they're making fun of someone. It's a blues type song. Blues rock, I would call it. I loved it. The title track, obviously, Share the Land. You know it. <laughs> you, I'm sure you're extremely yeah. familiar with it. If everyone out there is not, you've heard it. It's great. It's a classic as well, 70s. And it has a good, actually, a good message to it as well. So it has that social social message to it I would call it as well I think they're known for that in some of their songs you know they, I mean, they, have, they rock and, and do stuff like that but I, I'm a big fan of the Guess Who there, there are a couple more songs I will point out Hang On To Your Life I thought it was really good and this one has a long title it's one of those that has a progression in it it's a little bit progressive it's coming down off the money bag, and then song. It's it's uh, slash. So then it transitions to song of the dog, and it has a groove like a jam in it. I mean, the, the lead guitarist of the Guess Who is he's really good. And I don't know. Like I said, this this is definitely a hit. And I didn't point out the personnel, but I really will. You know, I'm going to real fast because I mean, the, the Guess Who, who'd have known? <laughs> now who's in that again? <laughs> you know okay the guess who <laughs> you want to guess <laughs> no um, Burton Cummings is lead vocals keyboards and flute so already has that 70s yeah. style flute in there <laughs> um, Kurt Winter does uh, lead guitar and backing vocals so Kurt Winter very underrated as a guitarist He's, I think he's really good and I may pronounce it wrong. I've never seen this last name before in my life. It's Greg Leskiw, L-E-S-K-I-W. Hmm. I don't think I've ever seen an I and W, you know, like that together. I'm not sure. He's rhythm guitar, backing vocals. He does lead guitar on "Coming Down Off the Money Bag," and I thought so. That song, the vocalist did sound a little bit different, and it's good. He's a really good vocalist. And Jim Cale, who is I'm most familiar with, is he's a bassist, and he does backing vocals on this as well. I'm a bass guitar guy though, so I know a little bit. <laughs> I, I've looked a little bit, you know, these guys up. Oh, hipster me. <laughs> and then finally Gary Gary Peterson on drums, and he does backing vocals as well. I mean, everyone leads like is a like the vocal harmonies on this album are solid, and you can tell the guests who were a '60s band. And this is going into the 70s because it still has a little bit of that 60s, late 60s yeah, it's just vibe to it. Now, yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell. And actually, I mean, this reached number 14 on Billboard 200 when it, you know, so it was a hit for sure. I mean, it's a hit now. 
uh, I, I invite everyone to come you know, check it out because you're not going to be disappointed. But check out their first album first, or American Woman. You know, check that out first because I think it's awesome. One quick thing that I do want to point out, though, I mean, you know, it's not related to the music, but it's related to the medium. And when this was, was released, it was a new type of vinyl. It's called Dynaflex. And it was extremely pliable. Like, you could fold it in half, and it would spring back to its original form and play just as well as when it opened. So that was the gimmick for it. So I thought that was, you know, that was pretty cool. And, and they also, you know, in addition to the, they had a two-channel, uh, two I don't know where I got cherry from, but like a two-channel stereo, I guess channel and stereo, but a two-channel stereo um, version, uh, like a four-channel quadraphonic mix that was released on eight-track format. So this is the first eight-track one that I've listened, that I've heard or found listed. And I, I knew eight-tracks were out, but this is one of the first ones that I've come across was, you know, so I thought that was really cool, and I used to own quite a few eight tracks. I wish I still had them, just because I thought, you know, it's just yeah. interesting for history. Terrible. I used to hate having to switch the tracks, but anyway, you know, I've gone on long enough about this album. It, I'm a huge fan of the Guess Who now, and I go back and listen to these these songs again and again. I just do. I, I, it, it's been hard reviewing some of these other music because I'll catch on to some of this other stuff like this this one's starting to hit me again <laughs> share the land everyone uh, yeah definitely though check it out because oh it's a hit I mean it was a good way to end the week just like your album your BB King album oh, yeah. was the best album that you had this week this guess who share the land was definitely the best album and I mean Savoy Brown so I ended the week strong and I didn't have anything other than Paul Siebel, Wood Smoke and Oranges was terrible. So we ended up with so, seven hits and <laughs> one it's sit. still a sit. <laughs> yeah. So I think, well, I think it's well, all in all, that's a pretty yeah. good average there, guys. It was a good week. No. But, oh my gosh, yes. You know, next week on Chord Chronicle, regular show, it's funny. That you mentioned, Eric, we mentioned, or I mentioned Eric Clapton earlier, because we're getting ready to talk about Eric Clapton's uh, debut. Well, I mean, he's on, he had another album before this, but this is his debut solo album, I would call it. Self-titled Eric Clapton. Thank you, sir. If you're going to call an album by your own name, <laughs> or band name, or whatever, <laughs> make it the first one of course we may have already done that by the time this comes out we're not sure because <laughs> this episode was delayed <laughs> nah yeah this was delayed so I'm I'm. Uh, this is contingency <laughs> plans guys <laughs> we had some technical issues <laughs> so, this week <laughs> you know this you know so maybe, maybe we've already reviewed it maybe not but I'm going to be talking about Iron Butterflies Metamorphosis on Jeff's Just Jamming. Or maybe I've already. Who knows? <laughs> I, guess, I guess we'll see. And I think you have... Well, you have yes. the band Stage Fright. I previewed that a little bit. Whew, spoiler alert. I'm not a fan well, of the okay. band. That's okay. It's not your... But um, I don't know. I thought <laughs> I was. 
I thought I was. I thought I was. Also, we're also going to be talking about the Carpenters. Close to you. And oh, Aretha Franklin's the Queen in the Dark. Really excited about that one. Queen of Soul, guys. Making another appearance. See, she knows how to do it. She's released two albums this year. Unlike the Supremes, who released <laughs> 17. Yeah, we had, at least I had, the King this week. And we've got the Queen earlier this week or next week. or I don't know. Our schedule is all messed up. Sometime. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something we can definitely keep straight, though. Off the record, yes. 12. Because this being 11, I don't know if we mentioned that from the start. We are 11 episodes in. And you think the technical issues would be over, but you know what? They never go <laughs> Sometimes <away>. things break. <laughs> it's like life. But I'm just going to go through my albums real quick. And then... Okay. I'll let you go through yours. Next week, though, on Off the Record, I'm going to be talking about <laughs> The Partridge Family. <laughs> the Partridge Family album. I'm actually familiar with it already, Danny. Danny Bonaducci. So I've already heard this album before. Not, I've not sat down and listened to the whole thing, but it's going to sound like 60s. It's going to sound like the TV show. So it's okay. I don't hate The Partridge Family, so I'm looking forward to that. The next album I'm reviewing, I'm really irritated about because it's not on Spotify well you can find it but there's only like two songs <laughs> the, uh, the rest of them are grayed out so I guess oh, they're not so allowed but that's Straub's that's Straub's just a collection of antiques and curios so I guess they're so antique that Spotify you can't play them for me now <laughs> the, the next one is hard to find and that's Skid Row Skid. No, I'm not talking about Skid Row from the No Sebastian Box. No, this is not Sebastian Bach. They are actually I looked it up, they're an Irish blues rock band and they kick ass. So I've already listened to this album. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's gonna be a hit. But I'm gonna be finishing out the week with Incredible String Band. You that one, we'll see. So I'm going to turn it back over to you and let you talk about what you're going to be previewing this week. Or preview what you're talking about All next right. week. I have Moth the Hoople. You may know some of their work. Um, I've got Moth the Hoople, Mad Shadows, and then Redbone, Potlatch. You reviewed Redbone <sighs> earlier I'm this jealous. year. <laughs> so. <laughs> so good. Yeah, really it's looking so forward good. to talking about that it's one. So good. <laughs> I've already listened to that album. <laughs> then I have Don McLean Tapestry, not Carol King's Tapestry. Don McLean. Yeah, why is he why is he biting on Carol King's <laughs> style like that? I don't know. Yeah, I I like some of Don McLean's stuff, and some of it is just overplayed, played <sighs> out. So we'll see. And my last album of the week I have not listened to yet. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. I've got Tony Bennett again. Oh, yes. Tony I Bennett's help it. something. I couldn't help it. I had to choke up. <laughs> this supposedly is another of those where he's doing contemporary music. I hope it's better than the last one, but... <laughs> uh, 
Oh, you're going to get your first shit album. Oh, my gosh. You have to be honest. You have to be honest. I think we I finally found her first honest. shit album. I've already had one. I've already had one. And I think you might have yours. No, you're going to you're gonna wind up being like, well, I was trying to listen for everybody. You know what? I'm listening for me. <laughs> I'm listening for my enjoyment. Like I'm listening for my enjoyment of it. That's why... That's why Mr. Seabell or Siebel will get a sit from me. <laughs> so, yeah, next week, though, really exciting. And, I mean, Cord Chronicle 18, who knows when that's coming out? Maybe before this episode? <laughs> maybe after? I guess we'll see how it goes. We may flip the script and let it, let it come out next week. Make you guys wait. <laughs> yep, we don't know yet, but we'll see. Either so. way, you should be listening to both shows anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. If you are following along, though, and if Chord Chronicle 18 has come out, I will run through 19 real quick. We're going to be talking about Beach Boy, Beach Boy Sunflower. I'm interested about that because I really know Beach Boys as more of a 60s band. So I'm wondering if they're going to have that 70s sound. I haven't went through that one yet. And then we're also talking about an album that I already know, and that's Curtis Mayfield. Curtis. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That and then one I'm really excited about. Yeah, this is... <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I've, I've held back. I've been wanting to listen to this so bad, but I waited. This is the Jackson 5, third album. So inventive with their names. So creative. They saved it all for the music, though. And then finally... The Birds. Speaking of creativity. <laughs> Big fan of the Birds. Yeah. <laughs> They're just trolling everybody back in the back in the day. And you know what? I am gonna be talking about on Jeff's Just Jamming. A pleasant surprise. So you know, I I want you to check this one out. Even though I'm doing Jeff's Just Jamming and I'm supposed to be doing it myself, you'll yeah. want to listen to this one, Amy. Billy Preston. Billy Preston, encouraging words. I was not familiar with who Billy Preston was, but I for sure will yeah, be Yeah, I don't know that album, but I do know who he, he is. On, um, so. Apple. He was on Apple Records. The Beatles <laughs> record, record label. But he is a soul yeah, artist. he's good. It's not Motown. It's not Motown. It sounds like you <laughs> went to church, a lot of it, and it's good. Yes, spoiler alert. I've already listened to that one, so. <laughs> but I haven't recorded my segment yet. Got to marinate on it. And you know, you're going to be covering something that I think could be good or bad. We'll I see. think it's going to be good. We'll see. I'm going to listen to Ricky Nelson. Rick Sings Nelson. So I definitely think that's going to be better than Nelson Sings Newman. Or, sorry, Nelson Sings Newman. I've actually heard a lot of the songs oh, off of this so. album. I think. I haven't looked at the track list yet, but I've heard of the album. I think I know some of the songs. And I'm a big fan of Ricky Nelson, so. And, you know what? I'm sitting here looking at the clock. And I think I've droned on long enough, guys. Are you tired of hearing God, me? yes. <laughs> so, but I hope everyone... Well, I hope everyone's having a good time listening to music and bringing this stuff back because, you know, it, I don't want it to get lost in time. 50 years. It is the 50-year anniversary of all this stuff. So it needs to be celebrated as such. Even if they're bad albums. 
which is why we're listening to everything, guys. And that's why I challenge everyone to as well. You don't have to review it. You can just go give it a quick listen to. Follow along with us. You can also, like I've always said before, reach us on Instagram at Chord Chronicles. Either reply to our posts. Be sure to follow us first, obviously. And then send us. you can send us a direct message as well. We'd like to know where everyone's from and what uh you know who your favorite artist is and if you're following along you know trying to follow along with us and listen to the albums that we are and tell us what you've liked or haven't liked tell me if you agree that Paul Siebel Wood Smoke and Oranges is tell better us how to pronounce his name so yep that's right but I think I'm gonna end this week like I do most every week I hope everyone has a nice music filled week Follow along. Listen with earbuds, though, because some people don't want to <laughs> listen to Paul Siebel. <laughs> be nice to people. Wear your mask. If you're in the U.S., be sure to vote if you haven't already. Vote Donald Trump the fuck out of office. Yeah, I said it. This is the non, <laughs> this is the non-PC show, guys. I'm getting political. Get Donald Trump out because he's a cancer. So, but be nice to everyone, even if you're, you know. Trump, you know, voting for Trump. Just be polite. But, um, be safe. Listen to music. Wear your mask. And have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>